I'm Santiago and I'm from Venezuela. I've been here in Texas for five years, since 2017. I arrived to a place in Texas called Trinidad, Texas. I have never, have never thought about uh, committing suicide or, uh, you know, affecting myself in any ways. However, I remember that more than once I caught myself in the bathtub, just in the water, uh, I don't know, as long as I could. I was living in this people's house and uh, they were giving me room and board. And uh, since I wasn't paying and I was waiting for my paperwork and I cannot produce any money legally. So the only way for me to pay for my, board, uh, my room and board was to help all the people, people around the community. I actually remember working like from dawn to dusk during the whole week for different people just to get a couple of dollars a, a, a week to send back home. Everything uh, felt like, well, this is totally bad. I've been a teacher for 15 years. I had a career in Venezuela. Why am I here just being somebody else's servant? One of those days that I was like really bad, I was working for the, uh, a lady, an old lady, and uh, she started asking me to sit down with her and read the Bible to talk about God. I mean, like, she knew about it. I, I didn't know what was happening, but she felt it somehow. And yeah, that was how I started actually uh, getting closer to God once again. The moment I left the house in the middle of the street, I felt like something was pulling me to my knees. Like, I couldn't stop crying at that moment. I, I couldn't walk, and I needed to kneel. I needed to come to my knees and say, thank you, Lord, thank you for for this opportunity because at that moment I was feeling like, nah, there's no reason, there's no way to. I mean, I, I went to the house, I went to the attic because I used, to I used to sleep in the attic. And at the moment I got there, I just went to my knee, get, kept crying and thanking the Lord. And uh, from that moment on, things have been, you know, like up and downs, uh, but things has been way better. Growing up, I've had several people, key people in my life tell me, you, you need to be happy. Why aren't you happy? Um, I can think of a counselor I now see that she saw me grow up 12 to 18. She said that to me when I was going to counseling. And then an atheist that I know, uh, knew a couple of, maybe years ago, said the same thing. My dad always was like, why aren't you happy? So um, the drinking, like I said, started at 18. I stopped, started, stopped, start. Um, but when it got to about 25, I was really into the sleeping and drinking and you know doing all the partying and stuff. And um, I had a boyfriend at the time that was no good, absolutely no good. Um, and so I was at a party with him and he, <laughs> He looked around to everybody and he said, hey, wouldn't well, y'all like to go to a black church tomorrow? I was like, yes, you know, I've never been to one. They seem so full of the spirit and, you know, just having so much fun and in the, all that. So I went with him. I cried the entire time and um, he never came back. I never saw him again. He ghosted me. From there, I started seeing where I was going wrong. I ended up in a mental hospital. The 2016 I actually has have had bipolar disorder since 18 I got to a really desperate 
point where I was, you know, thinking about suicide and I knew I had to make a decision. And um, I called a friend, her name's Amy. She pretty much saved my life at that point because she said, Erica, you gotta go to the ER. You just gotta go. And I spent eight days there and I knelt down as soon as I could. And I, uh, I said, I'm sorry, God, you know? I've always loved you and I've always tried to be good, but this is not making you happy, I know. So I stopped the drinking, stopped partying, um, and stopped sleeping around. I came home and I was going to the church that I mentioned and they uh, asked about baptisms. I was like, yep, I, I need to do that. <laughs> and I came out of the water a new person, that's all I can tell you. My name is Santiago. My name is Erica. This, this is, is our, our story. story. Man, we, would you put your hands together one more time for Erica and Santiago? You know, uh, these are real stories of people in our church. This is not like something that we just buy and then just show you guys. These are real issues of the heart. And it's really hard to be vulnerable uh, and to, to put your junk out there in front of the world. And so I just cannot say thank you enough to Erica and Santiago for being willing to, to share because I really believe that um, today is a day of miracles and God's going to heal some hearts or begin the process of healing some hearts. And I also want to thank uh, Vivian and Jeanette uh, for putting that video together and editing and all of that. And then one more thing. I want to, I want to encourage you, uh, in two weeks we're going to have baptisms. We're going to have a baptism service. So next week is Easter, the week after that, baptism uh, Sunday. And um, I, I don't know where you're at with that, but baptism is the first step of obedience that you take once you decide to follow Jesus. And for we all have different stories. You've heard my story that, I mean, I waited for years until I decided to actually, um, not because, you know, I was baptized as a baby. I was baptized when my mom encouraged me to do it, but I was just doing it to please her. I was 12 at the time. And then there came a time in my life when it was like, no, 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 I, I really, this is it. I'm a Jesus follower, and I want to I make sure that this is my own decision. And so I hope that, um, that in, and you heard her say that, right? Like, it was a game changer. And again, it doesn't save you, but it is, and there's a reason why God does things. And when you go public, which is what baptism is, you're putting on the Jesus jersey. That's, what, uh, that's the way we say it here at LifePoint. When you take that step, uh, it's, it's a game changer. And so I really want to encourage you, if you're interested at all, sign up, uh, LifePoint FC. And then at the top, there's a little bit, lifepointfc.com, at the top, there's a little bar that says baptism. I really want to encourage you to do that. So that's not next Sunday, that's the following Sunday. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 26, verse 14. Matthew 26, verse 14. I have, as you're turning there, in my hands, 14 ounces of 99.9% pure, almost pure, silver. This is the equivalent to 30 pieces of silver. Does that ring a bell? 30, that phrase, 30 pieces 
of silver. Does that, does that ring a bell? Like if you've been to church for any period of time, you're probably putting it together by now. It is the exact amount in weight that was used to betray Jesus. And what I want to do for, as, we, as I'm preaching is I'm going to pass this, and I'm going to pass it. You guys, I want you to feel it. I want you to touch it. I want you to feel what, it, what Jesus, and we're going to be celebrating uh, Easter next week, right? I want you to feel what he was betrayed for, okay? And so I'm going to give it to Shane, and Shane, if you would just pass it all around, and then once he hits the back, um, then we'll, we'll go to this side, and you guys bring it back to me, okay? Um, and so uh, we'll, we'll do that. So we are in Matthew chapter 26, verse 14. Look at what God's word says. Matthew 26, verse 14. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, that's important to know, went to the leading priests and asked, how much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? And they gave him, how much, church? Help me out. Say it with enthusiasm. 30 pieces of silver. You'll, you'll hold that coin here in just a second. Okay? From that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. Now, I want you to, if you're following, turn to Matthew 27. Matthew 27. I'm getting a little bit of feedback, guys. If you can either turn me down just a tad or something, but just a tad. Thank you, guys. That, that, that helped. So verse 1. Very early in the morning, the leading priest and the elders of the people met again to lay plans for putting Jesus to death. Verse 2. Then they bound him, led him away, took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. Now, verses 3 and 4 are going to be our key verses for the day. Okay, The title of our message today is, When Suicide Bullies You. When Suicide Bullies You. Verse 3, watch this, don't miss it. When Judas, who had betrayed him, realized that Jesus had been condemned to die... He was filled with remorse. So he took the 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priest and the elders. Please notice this, okay? He's taking him back to the leading priest, to the elders. Okay, don't miss that. Watch this, verse 4. And he says, I have sinned, he declared. For I have betrayed an innocent man. Now watch the response from the spiritual leaders of his day. What do they say? What do we care? They retorted. That is your problem. Often, this is how the church responds to people's mess. Often, this is how the church responds to this whole subject that we're dealing with, anxiety, depression, suicide. And I feel like, man, I should, preparing the message, 
It's like, man, I almost feel like I want to apologize on behalf of the church because the church has done, at times, more harm than good when it comes to the subject of suicide. I, I got a text this week from a young lady whose dad um, died by suicide when she was 13 years old. And I want to read it to you. I asked her for permission. This is what she said as I was working on the message. Hey, I'm sure you're learning um, from, uh, you're hearing from a lot of people about this week's message because I mentioned it last week that I was going to be doing this message. I just wanted to tell you a few things. You can't understand my gratitude about the topic this week. It's going to be hard. Please be patient with us. The Lord is, is truly speaking through you. Suicide has always been almost a dirty topic in the eyes of the church. Or at least the ones that I've been to other than my home church now with y'all. The amount, listen to this, the amount of judgment that has been passed about my dad's faith based on his choices is ridiculous. I'm thankful that I get to call you my pastor and you're helping us realize that anxiety and depression are not a sin but emotions. I read that and it, my, my heart broke that you have a young, and I mean, I wasn't there, I wasn't in her life, you know, this is a different church, but, and I don't know the baggage that comes with it, but as a 13-year-old, 14, 15, then the years after, she felt like judgment was what came to her dad. And so, so Judas, verse 4, I have sinned, he declared, I have sinned. For I betrayed innocent, an innocent man. And the response from the spiritual leaders is, eh, what do we care? That's your problem. You handle it. And uh, it broke my heart. It, it, like, that response, like, I've, you know, so I've been in ministry for a, a while now. 20 plus years, four years of Bible school, three years of seminary. I've debated people on all kinds of topics about the Bible. I've talked about Judas I mean, I cannot tell you the number of times that I've had gotten into debate and debates. And 99, I, actually 100%, I will say it like that, of the debates that I've had with other people about Judas is whether he went to heaven or hell. Not once have I had a conversation with anybody about the way the church treated him, the spiritual leaders of his days treated him. Verse 5, then Judas threw the silver coins down the temple and went out and hung himself. Would you pray with me? Father God, I just, um, just come before you with an open heart, Lord. Untie my tongue, God. Undoubtedly, this topic has been mishandled by the church, God. And I just pray that you would help, help me to speak clearly, biblically, God, I pray for open minds and hearts. God, I pray for miracles. Lord, I don't know who's listening to this message today here in the room or online or later on the podcast. But God, I pray that you would do a work in their lives and that you bring clarity on a subject that's very hurtful to so many of us and very difficult. So we dedicate the next few minutes to you we pray 
In Jesus' name, amen. So what we're doing today, if you're just stepping in for the first time, we've been doing a series called Anxious, and we're going to wrap up the message to the series today. And you may say, well, what does anxiety have to do with suicide? Well, when I was doing the research a few weeks ago, I learned that anxiety, about half of the cases of people that are diagnosed with uh, with anxiety actually deal with other issues such as depression anorexia suicide one of them bulimia and, and so what i learned is that anxiety and other a lot of all of these other emotional mental issues they go hand in hand and, and and the problem is a lot at least in churches is that churches are notorious for answering questions that nobody's asking and they want to go deep and what they, what, essentially what they do is they confuse us. It's, trust me, it's a lot, I could confuse all of you guys in really quick. It's a lot easier to go deep and to confuse you than to give you some, some truth from God's word that's going to help you apply what you're dealing with today. And so as I address this subject, that's kind of where my heart is coming from. I, I want us as a church to deal with issues that are difficult, that are not easy, and, and f the truth is that for the longest time, the church has not addressed a lot of these issues, mental health, anxiety, depression, sex, right? I mean, we, I mean it's not, not something that you talk about in church, right? And when we do talk about it, the message is, as it relates to sex, don't do it! It's gross, it's filthy, it's awful! Save it for the one you love. That was a joke. <laughs> when it comes to suicide... It's, it, it goes, we don't talk about it, but then when we do talk about it, what we say is, well, if the person dies by suicide, they go to hell. And you know, I'm like, I, how many of you have heard that said before? Oh, suicide, unpardonable sin, right? And I, I want to make sure that, that you hear me correctly today. That is not true. Okay? Now, I can tell you where the thought came from that where the idea came from about four five hundred six hundred years ago the catholic religion and i don't know what they believe now but back in the day they said they were trying to get people to confess okay to go to confession and so um what they were doing is what they were saying is that if you sinned and you don't confess before you die then they would say that you'd go to hell and what they were trying to do was trying to get people to confess now the logic doesn't really pan out it doesn't carry out because imagine let's just say that i'm driving right and i'm going a little bit fast i'm breaking the speed limit and all of a sudden you know there's a car that just gets right in front of me and i hit the brakes as hard as i can and then man it's like uh, it's too late i'm just gonna hit it because i'm going too fast and as i'm hitting the brake and i'm bracing myself i go oh and i say a bad word and i die does that mean that I automatically go to hell? Obviously not. So the logic doesn't even make, make any sense. And so what I want to do for the next few minutes is I want to, I want to, there are four things that I think that you need to know on this, on this subject, okay, from this passage. The first one is this. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Number one, you really do matter. You really do matter. God has a plan for your life. He does love you. He forgives you. He has a purpose for you. Now, if you're anything like me, you'll tell everybody that. You'll believe that about everybody else but 
you. I can come to any of you any day of the week, and I can pray for you, and I can tell you that you're forgiven, that God has a plan for your life, that he loves you, that he forgives you. But when it comes, when it, when it comes about me, I have a hard time believing that about me because I know my junk. I know my sin. I know the stuff that you can't Google about me. I know the stuff that, that, that my sinful nature. And so let me ask you this. What was Jesus doing at the same time that Judas was heading to that tree to hang himself? What was Jesus doing? Jesus was on his way to the cross to offer Judas forgiveness. Think about it this way. Um, before the betrayal, before the cross, Jesus actually picked Judas. Remember the story? Bible says that Jesus one day, like before he, his public ministry, before anybody knew him, he says, you know what? I need a group of people that are going to help me create this movement. Bible says he climbs a huge mountain, and he spends the whole night praying and fasting. And he's asking God to give him basically some wisdom about who he's going to choose. Okay? Not an easy matter. I'm sure as a human being, like the weight, and Jesus was 100% God, 100% human, but I'm sure the weight of the world was on his shoulders, right? And he's like, okay, I gotta, I'm going to pick 12. Who are they going to be? So he says, I'm going to get away with my heavenly father. I'm just going to go. I'm going to climb this mountain. I'm going to spend the whole night praying. The very next morning, if you know the story, he picks 12 disciples. One of them is Judas. It was a great honor to be chosen by a rabbi, especially of the stature of Jesus, because from the moment that he was 12 years old, he had tremendous wisdom. And so in that culture, when the rabbi came to you and said, come follow me, it was a big deal. Judas was one of them. Now, did Jesus make a mistake? I don't think so. Here's my point, here's my point. Regardless of your baggage, regardless of the past, Jesus picks you. He chooses you. You really do matter. Look in, look in Isaiah 49, verse 15, what the Bible says. I love this, this, this verse. God says, um, can a mother forget her nursing child? No, of course not. I mean, how could that be, right? Can she feel no love for the child that, that she has born? Maybe in extreme circumstances, right? But for the most part, if you carry a child for nine months, if you give birth to your child, like, like there is no love like the, the love of a mother, right? And so God asked this question, like, can a, a mother forget her nursing child? No, of course not. Can she feel no love for the child that she born? Of course not. And God says, but even if that were possible, I would not forget you. That's God's word. Look at the next verse, verse 16. See? says, I've written your name on the palm, palms of my hands. I've tattooed, I've, I've inscribed your name on the palms of my hands. So you, my friend, really do matter. Um, you, you're actually a miracle. Did you know that? Your birth was a miracle. Let me, let me prove it. What are the odds, what do you think are the odds of, of getting struck by lightning? Does anybody know? One in 500,000. 
One in 500,000, the odds of being struck by lightning. What are the odds of, of being bitten by a shark? Does anybody know? One in five million, okay? So, like, that's why when I go skew diving, I'm actually looking for sharks, you know? <laughs> I know. No, some of you are like, not me. <laughs> okay, I'm with you. All right. One in five million. What are the odds of playing the lottery? One in 14 million. What are the odds of you being born? You know? One in 400 trillion. I don't even know how many zeros to write down. One in 400 trillion for the little sperm to go and penetrate the egg. You, my friend, you are a miracle. Some of you are like, man, I've never won in anything in life. Not true. At least once, you won. Right? You were custom designed by God. There's nobody else like you. Look at your fingerprint. God breathed into your heart and mind an identity. Bible says he set you apart. Bible says that you are God's masterpiece. Bible says that he prepares some things ahead of time for you to do. Some good things that he says when, when they, this one is born, that's what they're going to do. You're a little different because you're a difference maker. You're a handpicked, just like Judas. Crown jewel of his creation. You can sound the heartbeat of your creator. So you really do matter. Now, I get it. I'm with you. You hear me say that? But there are times when you, will, you will believe the enemy over God's word. And I'm with you, and I can sympathize, and I can relate. Number two. Here's the second thing that I want you to know from this passage. Beware of the messages that you receive. Beware of the messages that you accept, that you receive. You know, like on your, when you get a text, it shows a little bubble, right? And then you click on it, and then the thing disappears. Basically, it shows you, oh, that person's read that text. Beware of the messages you receive. So Judas takes the 30 pieces of silver. He goes back to the temple. He goes back to the leading priest, the elders. He says, I've sinned. I've betrayed an innocent man. Didn't know that, they were gonna, that he was going to be condemned to die. That's the previous verse. He throw, they say, what do we care, right? That's your problem. He throws the things, and then he does the thing, right? But what was the message that came through to him? The one message that came through was, you're no good. One message made him run. One message broke him. One message came through so loud, so loud. It was suicide, screaming, yelling at him, bullying him. The world doesn't, the world would be better without you. What do we care? No one really cares about you. Oh, you've gone too far. You might as well just end it now. And you see, sometimes the enemy will put thoughts in my mind, and if I'm not careful, later on, I'll, I'm thinking that I'm, those thoughts actually are mine. And so beware of the messages that you receive. Judas had experienced three and a half years of, of worth of miracles with Jesus. When, when Jesus multiplied the bread, Judas was there. When he healed the, la uh, the blind and the lame, Judas was there. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, Judas was around. Jesus chose him. He was there every step of the way, but he allowed one message to get through, and that's what led to his death. 
And so I ask you, what about the messages that come at you? What about, you know, I wonder about the messages that you're allowing to get through, through this thing right here. Because I know that if you're anything like me, there's plenty of things that I like, you know, I let through that I, and actually simultaneously reject God's word. And so beware of the messages that are getting through to you. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 15, we demolish arguments and every pretension. Watch this. This is a great one. Uh, if you've never seen this verse, uh, committed to memory. We demolish, I love, the, I love the language. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Watch this. And we take, what's the word? Captive. We take captive every thought and we make it obedient unto Christ. That's what you're supposed to do. Okay? So number one, you really do matter. Number two, beware of the messages that you receive. Number three, uh, I would encourage you to get a support group. Get a support group. Don't, you were not created to do life alone. And I'm going to ask Shantae. Shantae, would you come up here? You guys give it up for Shantae. Um, I'm going to, um, you know, Shantae and, and I and our, actually our life group, we went through something that was devastating about three years ago. And I asked her, would you share with us a little bit? And this is really hard, um, you know, to do. But um, I think it's a story that you need to hear. And there's a point that I think God is, is communicating to us. Let's give it up for her one more time. Would you share? Would you share our story? Thank you. Three years ago, on March 2nd, 2019, my life completely shattered. As I sat up in my bed at 10.30 on Saturday, Saturday night, and felt a shock through my entire body, my husband was gone. I didn't know how I knew, but I knew. And within hours, I would have confirmation that this nightmare was now my reality. Jamie was staying at a nearby hotel, so I called my mom to come get me to drive me there. As I waited for her, I repeated to myself, this is happening. This is your life now. But even trying to prepare myself for the worst didn't change the fact that when the, par the paramedic confirmed his death, I shunned the truth. Um, he's lying, I remember saying, but he wasn't. After speaking with a set of detectives, we returned to my mom's home. Around 3 in the morning, I called Alex um, and Leah and Jamie's parents, but there was no answer, so I just waited. And my body was completely numb. I crawled up on the chair at my mom's and tried to sleep because I knew as soon as I spoke the words communicating his death to this first set of people, it would become even more real than it already was. I don't remember if it was Alex or Leah that called me back, but I do know they arrived shortly thereafter. I then spoke with Jamie's dad and remember very vividly him questioning, are you sure? And even in the hurricane of a mental state I was in, I completely understood this question because I myself did not want to believe the truth that I knew. My mom has since told me that as soon as they confirmed Jamie was in fact gone, she immediately prayed for God to send help to carry me through because she felt completely immobilized. 
I know we must all feel this way at times when those we love walk through things we never imagined possible. And in those moments, we have no other choice but to pray. I can look back now and know that long before she prayed that prayer, God had already created the group of people that would indeed carry me through the next days, weeks, months, and years to come. Everything is fine in life until it's not. You're doing okay by yourself until you're not. Jamie and I joined LifePoint in 2017, and then in September of 2018, we joined our life group. I had no idea how crucial those seven people would be in my life uh, just six months later. I thought we were just going to church. I thought we were making friends. I thought we were helping people. Um, but as always, God knew something that I didn't, and those specific people were put in my life as a part of his plan. A lot of people, churches, will tell you that what they stand for, that they want to help people, but you find out if those words are true when tragedy strikes and your life implodes. The people here at LifePoint, they live out the words they speak. They truly want to meet you where you're at and walk with you through it. No judgment, no perfect people allowed is real. They will meet you in your mess. Alex always says, don't wait until life happens to join a life group. Get involved now, and it's so true. My life group, friends from all different seasons of my life, many people of this church came together, worked, and served to help me celebrate Jamie's life a mere three days after he died. There's no way I could have honored my late husband the way I did without their help. They showed up. They used their gifts to make my vision of celebrating Jamie and our 22 months together a reality. My heart is overwhelmed with gratitude for each and every one of you. You were an intricate part of God's plan to carry me through those days following Jamie's death, and many of you are an intricate part of my life now. Thank you. I've been very blessed over the last three years. God definitely had a plan. He put an amazing man back in my path, we got married. I moved to just outside of Austin um, to build a new life with him and his two amazing kiddos. God has provided me with a new church, new friends, and my new life there has slowly taken shape. And yet, while I can see all the good surrounding me, my heart, and it seems at times my brain is broken. Losing someone to suicide is extremely traumatic, and when combined with the mental health battles I was already fighting, I've since been in some of the darkest places I've ever seen. I was previously diagnosed as bipolar type 2, then borderline personality disorder. The meds either didn't work or exacerbated the symptoms to moments of suicidal ideation. My search for answers continues. I've had moments of hiding in my closet, self-harm, and speaking extremely hurtful words to those that I love most. The things I've felt about myself since losing Jamie, the immense guilt that comes with suicide, paralyzing shame, I've had immobilizing anxiety, and bouts of depression. All of this has made me feel broken, weak, embarrassed, and less than. 
so many times I've thought, why am I still here? Why am I still here when he's not? Why do I have to keep fighting through this? I've questioned my faith um, because church people have made it seem like I could pray it all away. I'm not getting better, so do I not love Jesus enough? I now know my faith is strong, and I understand this is just a lack of education on mental health. It's hard for me to get up here and be so vulnerable to share all this deeply personal information, but I have to believe it's part of my purpose. I'm sharing this with you because if you're out there and you're struggling, I am with you. I know the struggle to just shower, brush your teeth, and get dressed for the day. I know what it's like to be in the dark places, and I know what it's like to want to give up. I know what it's like to be surrounded by beauty, yet feel completely broken. It's only because of my faith in my community and those I've allowed to speak into my life that I'm still here. If you hear me say nothing else today, please hear me say this. You are forgiven, you are worthy, you have a purpose, and you are enough. There are people all around you in this church that want to love you, lift you up, and walk your journey with you. If you're hurting today, please reach out. The best is yet to come, and trust me, I know it doesn't always feel that way. But there is a plan. God loves you, the people here at LifePoint love you, and I love you. Thank you for allowing me to share, and thank you to Alex and this community from the bottom of my heart for living and loving like Jesus. Because of LifePoint, I've learned how important community is. going to ask our worship team to get in place. Suicide is the third leading cause of death in our country. Third, I said, leading cause of death in our country for age, people ages 10 to 14. It's the second leading cause of death for people ages 14 through 34. I'll tell you how it happens, how it starts. It begins with blame. You blame yourself. I learned this from Shantae. You blame people. You blame your circumstances. It quickly turns into self-pity. You feel sorry about yourself. I know I've done it. Did it last, this last week. I'm sure you've done it. Throw yourself a little pity party. It, the challenge with this is that it temporarily empowers you because sometimes other people jump on your bandwagon. It goes from blame to self-pity. Then it leads to self-hatred. And this is where it get, begins to get real dark. From self-hatred, it turns into self-harm. And it's a, it's a process. It may start from uh, as, um, anorexia, bulimia, cutting. Eventually, you take your own life. It's life-threatening. And so when, I, when we say, get a support group, when we say that, it's because we care about you. And you were not created to do life alone. And so get a group of people. Maybe you're watching and you're from a different country, different state. You know, find a group of people that will love you when you're in those moments and you're down. If you don't have that group, text us, let us know. And we'll, we'll, figure, we'll move heaven and earth for you. Okay? 
If you're not in a life group, can I just challenge you? That's what we, that's what we call our, our support groups. Don't wait until it's too late. If you stay in that cycle, it becomes deadly. So don't wait until you're like at a place where it's like, man, there's no good. Last point, and I'll close with this. Healing begins with a connection with Jesus. Now, I worked very carefully on the, on the wording of the last point. And if you paid attention to Shante's story, you may have gotten it a little bit. I didn't say that healing happens. Because sometimes what the church says is like, oh, give your life to Jesus and it all will be better. Not true. Sometimes you give your life to Jesus and the enemy puts a target on you. But what I can tell you it's true is that there will be parts of your heart that will begin to heal as you make a connection with other people, as you make a connection with Jesus Christ. The reason why we loaded the service with personal story after personal story after personal story is so that we would learn to get real. Getting real equals getting healed. Now I want you to know as your pastor, I'm making a commitment today. That as a church, we're not going to judge you. We're not going to point fingers. We're going to love you through this process. At LifePoint, no one stands alone. I'll close with this. Derek Retman. Does the name sound familiar? Derek Retman. He was one of the favorite sprinters during the 1992 Summer Olympics in Barcelona, Spain. Everybody thought that he was going to win the 400-meter race. About halfway through the race, he hears a pop. He says that it was so loud, it sounded like it, a, a gun had gone off. He takes a couple of steps, and he hits the ground. I think there's a, there's a picture here that I want to show you. He obliterated his hamstring. And in that moment, he's in so much pain, and he's not comprehending why, after all of the training, after all of the sacrifice, after all of the work, now he's in this place. And then, all of a sudden, this random guy from up in the stands, from section 131, row 22, begins to push through the crowd, the place, you can look it up on YouTube, okay? begins to push through the crowd and he pushes through security and he jumps the fence and he runs to Derek and he grabs his hand and he puts it on his shoulder. This random guy is his dad. He says, son, I'm going to help you finish the race. You got to watch it. If you want to cry, watch it. <laughs> now we celebrate stories like that, right? And they both finished. And we, we clap for things like that, right? But don't miss the point today. Your heavenly Father has come all the way from the stands of heaven. And he's made it through hell to get to you. And today, he's putting your hand on his shoulder. And he's saying, he's saying, I know you're broken 
I know anxiety is real. I know suicidal thoughts are real. I know you feel alone. I know you hide. I know where you're at. But I'm here. If you let me, we're going we're gonna to finish the race together. And one day we'll get to celebrate and complete healing in heaven. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what part of this message spoke to you. But you may never be completely, fully, 100% healed on this side of heaven. But as you connect with people, as you connect with Jesus, that healing will begin to happen little by little. Sometimes it's happening and you're not even noticing it. I noticed it in Shantae. I've been working with her on her story this whole week. Sometimes we just don't give ourselves enough credit. And as you heal and as you wrestle and as you tell your story and as you're vulnerable and you get real, you'll find opportunities to share, just like Santiago and Erica. And God will put people in front of you that are also dealing with the same things. And they'll, you'll be able to connect with them and you'll be able to help them because nobody else understands because of the stigma that this thing brings in our world. And so I want you to know, God can use you. He wants to use you. He chose you for a purpose. If you let him, if you let him, you'll finish the race. And it's going to be a beautiful thing. Yeah, you may be limping, you know, but it's okay. In your weakness, his strength is made perfect, the Bible says. And so I wonder how many of you would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me because I'm struggling with this subject? Or maybe I have somebody that I love that died by suicide. I wonder how many of, how many of you would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you raise your hand all over the room, all over the room? If you're watching online, let us know. You can text the word Jesus to our phone number. I want you to know that there is help for you right now. You don't have to wait. Father God, thank you for the message. Even though difficult, God, thank you that you love us and what we, that we really do matter. Help us to be aware of the, the messages that get through to our brain. God, I pray that right now, today, before we leave, we find one person that would help us connect so that when we're down, we can help each other out. And God, may we not lose hope knowing that healing begins, starts with connecting with you. I pray for all those that are struggling today or who've struggled in the past. God, help us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. Um, I'm not going to talk your ear off, obviously, uh, but I've been asked to kind of share a part of my testimony as well. So I lost my father to suicide when I was 13 years old. Um, the grief and the pain is unimaginable, as 
is any kind. Um, you know, you come with the people who are going to ask you if the issues like with my dad, whenever it came with his mental health and all of that stuff, if it was going to be passed on to me. Um, generational curses and stuff like that. And um, man, they stink. <laughs> They're not good. Um, I had to finally get to a point, and this song is very important in my life, and I've been declaring it over my life since I was 13 years old, that I am not a slave to what he's done. I am not a victim. I'm a victor because of who I serve. I'm not a slave to fear. I'm not a slave to anxiety, and neither are you. As we sing this today, that is a hard thing to declare over your life because you want that for everybody else, but you cannot believe that for yourself majority of the time. You are so worthy of the love of the Father. You are so worthy of feeling your grief and taking that time for yourself because he loves you and he has redeemed and restored your life no matter what is going on, whether that's you that's going through it or if you are surviving someone going through that as well. We love you. God loves you. And we're to declare that over our life today. You unravel me with a melody you surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemy till all my fears are gone cause I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God Cause I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God my mother's womb, you have chosen me, love has called my name, I've been born again into your family, your blood flows through my veins, cause I'm no longer I'm no longer a slave to fear. 
Let's declare this together. 